Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Welcome back to another episode of Play by Players. I am the host, Bobby Boswell. Today we are joined by a fellow defender currently playing at MLS for FC Dallas. He has played over 200 professional games in Denmark, in Iceland, in Major League Soccer, USL, NASL. He's a former youth national team player, hopefully a full team men's national player here in, a, in the coming years. Uh, but he's, uh, he's won an MLS championship. He's won a supporter shield. He was named Defender of the Year in the USL. If they gave him an award for best dressed in MLS, I'm sure he would be a finalist. Please welcome to the podcast, Sebastian Ibiaga. Appreciate that intro. <laughs> yeah, that way you gave me a lot of good stuff here. You know, you 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 got a uh, a pretty good resume so far. You know, and uh, you know how you doing? How's everything going? Good. Just obviously got traded to Dallas this year, so just kind of settling down and taking things day by day. But yeah, can't complain. Enjoying the new. The new scenes and everything, new teammates, so it's been good. Yeah, congrats on the new contract. I know that was always uh that you know, that's always a great thing for guys when they get a new deal. And um, you know, you're in a you're in a new environment where uh I feel like you have an open slate to kind of go in and, and show what you can do. So uh, do you feel like it's the same thing there? Yeah, no, for sure. I think the way our club is run with Nico and Andre or the GM have it kind of set up, it's you know, anyone can play. It's all about putting the best 11 players out there, and that's kind of what they want to do. So, as you said, open slate, try and perform the best of my ability and get on the field as much as I can. Awesome. Well, uh, that's where we are now. Let's go back to where we where we started. Uh, we'll take everyone through your journey, and um, you've got some uh, a pretty unique story, and, and, and I'm really excited to, uh, to, to let the fans hear about it. So uh, your journey begins back in Nigeria, um, a, a country that, as most people know, has is, is got a very rich soccer culture. Um, I know you moved away at a you know relatively young age, but what can you tell us about your first memories um, of, of living in the African continent and, and you know playing soccer? I'm assuming that's where your, your soccer journey started for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was just home, you know, like as anyone reflects back to like their hometowns and home countries, it was just that comfortable feeling of just being around family and friends, you know, I, I was just always with my brother mainly. He also played, but my mom was also an athlete. My dad played in college a little bit, but my mom played tennis. So it was always a very athletic family. And that's kind of how we bonded a lot as, as we, when we were little. Yeah. You kind of stole my thunder. I was going to say, you know, I think she played a little bit professionally, right? She was a really good yeah. tennis player. And, um, you know, I know that I know your brother. I know y'all are very competitive. Um, would you say that you got your competitive instinct from from your parents? And if so, is there one parent? Because your dad played, I think, at the University of Nigeria, uh, played soccer. Um, yeah. I have to imagine they're both pretty competitive. Where where did you guys get it? Was it a combination or is it is it one or the other? I think it's definitely a combination. I think they're competitive in different ways. And yeah, I think my brother and I were able to pick up on the different ways I guess to be competitive. Oh, I say different ways. I just mean like in certain aspects of like life. Like I, I think trend towards the more competitive in actual like sports or like physical stuff. My brother, he was the same way, but he also translated that to like in the classroom. So he was a very, very good student and stuff like that. So I was like mediocre. I didn't really care about that as much, but yeah, I think it was those kind of two differing types of competitiveness that we kind of took. I'm just a little short there, so we'll find out here in a little bit. Um, I know you're, you're a golf enthusiast, but can you hang on the on the tennis court too, or or did that not did that not uh, get ingrained in you? I used to. I don't know about now. I haven't played in a lo- in a while, to be honest. But okay. yeah, when I was younger, I could definitely hang. I don't know about now. Uh, your father was in oil and gas, and you know, as a person that lives in this part of the country. Um, I meet people all the time that get relocated to Texas from all over the world. Um, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, anywhere in the, you know, Louisiana for oil and gas. In your case, you ended up moving from uh, Nigeria to Oklahoma. Uh, what do you remember about that 
Um, you know, it's gotta be just a, a fascinating move in that you're like, Oh, I'm going to the U S like you probably know New York and Miami and LA. And, and it's like, we're going to Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was definitely culture shock. Obviously you go from Africa to a small city called Elk city, which is on the Western border of Oklahoma. And like we, and my brother were kind of like the, not kind of, we were the only like two black guys, black kids in the school. So it's like, it was a complete 180, like complete culture shock. But I think moving to such a small city kind of helped us, you know, gain confidence in our new culture basically. And so it was, it wasn't difficult. I wouldn't say it was difficult, but it was just getting used to our new environment and stuff like that. And I think being in the places that we live, it being Oklahoma, which is random, but I think that helped us kind of grow and kind of understand our surroundings a little bit better at that age. Did you find, did y'all, I'm assuming y'all played soccer there. Was it, uh, you know, were you able to find, uh, like a competitive thing or were y'all, were y'all already standing out as, as being better than, than everybody or uh, how did you feel your development happened there? I don't actually think I developed that much there. I think we, we did play, but it was more like on a very club level, not even like a cat. Well, I guess they didn't really have academies yet, but it wasn't like that higher club level yet. So it was just kind of just playing. And then once we moved from there to closer to Oklahoma City, it's kind of where my brother and I were put into better clubs. And that's really where kind of development started. Okay. And how long were y'all, how long were y'all in Oklahoma? I think you, you had a really tough, I, I always say, I don't want to move my kids when they're before high school. And I'm, yeah. if I'm, if I'm correct, y'all moved. I think your brother was a little bit older, but you moved in the middle of high school, right? Yeah, I moved to Houston going into my junior year of high school, yeah. And that had to be pretty hard, right? I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd imagine you establish your friends and you've got, you know, uh, things going on. And then you pick up and, um, you know, were you were you pretty uh, devastated about moving again? Or was it, uh, you know, were you open-minded with it? How, what was your mindset there? I was definitely devastated. Like you said, I mean, we were in Oklahoma for, what, eight years, I think. So I had a pretty good and solid friend group. And stuff like that so kind of again resetting now that i'm older and i understand more was a lot harder definitely but looking back on it uh i think it helped me in terms of like soccer because i just kind of switch and just focus solely on soccer and so yeah yeah and then you, you kind of talked about there weren't really um academies then you were you were kind of in this cool like first group uh you know the first generation um you know I, I say, you know, first, second, uh, group that really came through the Academy, you get to yeah. Houston, I think you're, you were in most city, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you went to uh high tower. We'll talk a little bit about that, but, yeah. um, you end up coming in and, uh, that's where our paths cross where you were in the Academy. Um, you know, were you excited to be, uh, you know, talk to me about finding out there's this Academy and. I know they were excited to have you. It's like you fell in their lap, um, you know, where it's, this guy moved here and now he's he's really talented. We want him on the team. But what were you thinking in terms of, oh, there's this crew team here and, uh, you know, I can go train with the uh, with the group of guys that, that trains below them? No, yeah, I think I love that. I mean, as a player, as a young player, you that wants to end up playing professional, I think academies are huge. Obviously, they're the link between youth soccer and the full team. So I think for me, it was, it was kind of, I don't know, bittersweet because I didn't want to move, but the fact that I was able to join an academy like that, I think was huge for my development and kind of my thought process of, oh, I can actually, there is a way and there is a path that I can actually see to get to the pro level. Okay. Well, I know you did, you did really well with the academy. Um, I think you, were you? Were you already in the the national? I think you were U fifteen or where did you start? Where did yeah. you start with the the national team? Program? Yeah. So you were already you were already kind of entrenched in that. And um, did you know any of these guys here? I mean, it's kind of a, a a different group. You know, you were you you were well, you were much more uh, I felt more physical and um, you know you you just had a, a more mature game about you than a lot of the guys that were here. Yeah, um, I didn't know. No, nah, in yeah, in the academy, I didn't really know anyone until I actually joined the academy, and obviously they're your teammates, so you you know them. But yeah, before that, I didn't know really any of the players there. 
I didn't really know the style that Easton really played. It was just kind of, this is a great opportunity that not a lot of players get at that age. So I just try to ingrain myself in that system and learn as much as I can and perform to the best of my ability. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you, you joined the first team in trainings and I think you even played in some preseason games. Uh, your academy team had tournaments both domestically and internationally. I know you excelled in those. Um, what do you remember most? You seem to be, I'm always torn with the academy stuff because I've been pretty, pretty vocal that I, I always think guys should play high school soccer just because that's where they should be around their friends. And I know a lot of the academies uh, yeah. they don't like that, but how, how do you feel? Um, you know, are you a, are you a pretty big advocate for it? Um, you sound like you, you liked it and, and you're talking nicely about it. Yeah, I guess I'm talking nicely about it because in my circumstance, I ended up playing professionally. I could see it being detrimental to kids who that, I guess that option doesn't become available. Cause then you literally, like you just said, you're not playing high school soccer. You're not around those friends. You're it's a different group who then go the separate ways if they all go to college. And so uh, I could see both sides, but I think for a, a kid who, whose main goal is to make it pro and they're willing to kind of do anything, I think it's a great way because it gives you, like I said before, a straight, uh, a straight path from youth to full team. Okay. Um, I like that when, when you were playing with that, you're in the national pool at this point, you're training, uh, with the Academy, you're, you're excelling. I think you were, you know, player of the tournament and you got MVP for the Academy team. You, you do well when you come up to the first team, did you kind of believe, you know, did you kind of always know, like, even when you were younger or did you start believing then like, this is like, I have what it takes to be a pro. I'm going to be a professional soccer player at that point. Or was it just still about, you know, I'm just having fun. And if it, if it works out, it works out. I think once I joined the Academy and started playing well, it was like, oh, I do have like what it takes to be a professional. I know I'm not there yet. I'm still what, 16, 17, 18. So I know I wasn't there yet, but it was, okay, these are the first steps and I can see these first steps being taken. And now I just have to like keep kind of pushing in that sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about high school. I, I talked about Hightower. Um, I live near Hightower. So we go okay. to their, we go to their football games sometimes. Awesome. My daughter loves the, uh, cheerleaders and and it's a good show there it's a great stadium um a pretty impressive sporting facility for a high school yeah. um I, did you play football there too i didn't so i stopped playing football when i moved to texas yeah. i was so, gonna say because yeah, it's yeah. pretty big texas football is pretty, yeah. pretty crazy that's when i was yeah that's when i was like yeah texas football is serious i don't think it's it's gonna help me yeah, that one. well i was gonna i was gonna laugh and say if the academy wouldn't let you play clubs or high school soccer but if you had to play football but you were you were you were what a you were a db or yeah. what you're i was a corner yeah okay well that's yeah. i bet you were pretty good at that um well anyway let's talk about um you're you're at hightower uh the hurricanes you know what do you remember like as as a you know a guy that's getting ready to you know go to college you're you're in the national pool I'm assuming you have a lot of offers to go to college. Um, you know, what do you remember about the lead up to making a decision on, on going to college? I think it was just don't mess anything up. Really. It was just kind of focus on, you know, the academic side of it and try and get like the best SAT scores or ACT scores I could. And just, you know, just keep performing on the soccer field, but also start to perform better in the classroom. And that was kind of the main thing. And that was kind of what my parents was really hit to me was, Hey, you have to be better in the classroom. I was like, okay, I got it. But yeah. Well, you, you joke about, yeah, Christian, your brother being, uh, the academic, but you, you ended up at a pretty good school. How, how did you decide that you wanted to go to, to Duke? Was it his influence in terms of, I think he was there already. Right. Um, yeah. Like how, how did you, did you have other offers? Did you feel like, um, you could have gone you know, did you have your pick of it? Like I personally, I didn't have any ACC offers yeah. to go, to go play soccer. I would have loved to have gone and played in the ACC, but um, how did that come about? Um, they actually recruited me very late in the cycle. I was, I hadn't committed or even verbally committed, but my top school was Stanford. And then Wake Forest was another one that came in and I was like, oh, they're in ACC. I'd be kind of close to my brother. So I was like, that's cool. 
And then, so my top choice was still Stanford. And then Stanford was like, oh, we're only going to give you a 70% scholarship. And I was like, mm, but my brother like goes to college for free. I'd rather try and find another option to do that. And so I just kind of waited it out. And then really late in the recruiting cycle, dude was like, hey, we want you to come here. Um, obviously your brother's here. So you're kind of, you know, comfortable with the idea, you know, the campus and I'm like, yeah. And then they also offered a full ride. So pretty much immediately I was like, yeah, I, at that time I was 18. I hadn't played a single game with my brother growing up at all. So I was like, Ooh, this is a chance to at least play a couple games with them. Maybe is his senior year, my freshman year. And yeah, and that was kind of like the main thing was like, I just wanted to play or have a season with my brother. Yeah. I always joke and say um, Duke is kind of a fun school to hate in American culture. I don't know uh, why, but it's just kind of, uh, you know, I don't make the rules. I just, you know, yeah. participate sometimes. Did you have any idea? Um, you know, it's obviously a, a prestigious school um, for a lot of reasons, you know, academically, athletically. Um, you know, when, when you think of soccer powerhouses, you kind of think of uh, the ACC, but it's more like the Maryland's and the UVA's. But but Duke has produced a lot of talented players in MLS like yourself. Um, you know, what do you, how do you feel about your time there in terms of development as not only a soccer player, but, you know, as a person? Yeah, no, I think in both those categories, I developed a lot. I think I went in kind of thinking that I could do whatever I wanted. And it was very, I guess it brought me back down to earth to understand that even if you're a good athlete or you're good at whatever you do, you still have to perform and just your talent alone doesn't get you or it can get you in the door, but your work ethic, your hard work, how, how hard you work and a lot of things are what keep you in there. And that's kind of the settings that like set the tone for me throughout my collegiate career. Cause my first two years were not that good, but then my third and fourth were my best years. And I think as I grew and I, as I came to realize that there are certain aspects of being a professional or being a athlete, that are bigger than just, oh, what does he do just on the ball or without the ball or this and that. There are a lot of intricate things, whether it's mentally, emotionally, that you have to keep in check to be able to perform at that high level. Well, and I know you you won some accolades um, in those later years, especially that junior year. I think you, you really lit it up. Um, you kind of had to balance college. I think you were doing PDL at the time. I think the Carolina right. Dynamo, which, um, you know, it's hilarious dynamo it seems to be a theme uh, a little bit but uh there's that's now the uh north carolina fusion u23 team i always throw those in there and then you were still getting called in i think to uh 20 camp yeah uh, you had different things so you kind of had a lot on your plate and i think a lot of people don't realize um you know when when guys go to college that they they have college they have all these different responsibilities but in your case you had a different a bunch of different things where you're getting pulled away for things that um, I'd have to imagine the teachers are not real sympathetic towards if, if you say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go represent our country. And they're like, I'm here to teach you. I'm not here to, you know, let you miss class. Cause you, you know, but I'm assuming they worked with you. How did you handle all that, all that responsibility kind of at a, at a young age? Oh, I mean, we had obviously like administrators that kind of helped us a lot with that. Yeah. But at the same time, it was just kind of us having, or me having to just email teachers and be like, Hey, like you just said, like I'm representing the U S in this tournament. I'd be gone for three weeks or a month. And a lot of times I'd either have to drop her class because they're just like, Hey, you can't miss that much class time and expect to succeed. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Or I had to drop the class or they'd be able to work with me and be like, Hey, that's fine. We understand just as long as you keep up with the reading and turning your assignments, I could be fine. So yeah, a lot of times I, when I was away on those trips, I was still doing work. So it was still, yeah, it was still just a balancing act for sure. And how much of your uh, of your vision for yourself was focused on finishing and getting a degree versus, you know, hey, I want to be, uh, I, you know, my goal is to be a professional soccer player. Like, where did you feel you were at, um, you know, in terms of getting a getting to the next level? Did you did you you know were you hearing a lot of buzz like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know get an offer here or, or what what was your mindset? Yeah, I think my first year I didn't really think much about it. And then after my second and third year, I was very adamant on leaving. I wanted to leave and go into, you know, go to Houston at the time because I was homegrown. So I'd been there and just be in that environment at a younger age. And my parents were just like, no, you go to a really good school. It doesn't make sense at this point for you to leave. 
And so that's when I decided, I was like, okay, let me just fast track it then and just take on a bigger academic load to try and graduate as early as I can. So I ended up graduating just a semester early, but that's half a year. So like, yeah, it gave me an extra half a year into my playing career. And I think you graduated, uh, is it Earth and Ocean Sciences? Is that your yeah. degree? Yeah. All right. I've got a joke about going across the pond here for you, but um, only only you smart guys, me and you will get that. <laughs> else. Um, but how did you end up? So you, your path, you know, you're thinking I'm going to go to the Dynamo because um, I'm homegrown. They have your rights. How did you end up? You know, you end up in Europe and yeah. you end up across the pond and you end up in Denmark. Um, how does How does that happen where you're thinking, Okay, I'm I'm lighting it up. I'm ACC Defender of the Year type stuff, and and now I'm, uh, you know, now I'm going over to play in Europe. Yeah, uh, it was actually my agent at the time. We kind of just sat down and really looked at what my skill sets were and what I needed to work on, and that's kind of how we came on the decision to go to Denmark because obviously the MLS is extremely athletic league, and we kind of identified that what I didn't really need at the time is to be in, athletic, in an athletic league where my tech, my technical ability wouldn't really have to shine as much. And so we went to a, literally a league that was completely opposite, you know, where I could dominate athletically, but it was more about tactics and more technical ability. And that's kind of, again, still the developmental part, although I was a pro, it was still about developing certain aspects of my game that were, that I was deficient. And that's kind of how we ended up landing in Denmark. And I was there for, I think, a year and a half or something like that. And yeah, and that's just kind of how it ended up. Yeah. Well, before we go through that, I mean, it had to be a pretty good feeling, though, signing. You know, you you have this this dream of, I want to do this. It sounds like you made a pretty um, a serious decision at 16, 17 to, to make a commitment to it. So it had to feel pretty good signing that, that, that first contract. Oh, yeah. No, I was beyond excited about it. It was, like you just said, it was literally what I wanted to do. Since I was very little, and then obviously a re-emerging dream when I realized it could actually be done. So then once it was finally done, I understood like it wasn't, I was nowhere near where I wanted to be, but it was definitely a, a huge hurdle that I, you know, got over and I'm super excited. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's awesome. You you talked about being there for um, an extended period of time. You were, you kind of get um, loaned out, you play games, and, and that's the biggest thing I think, um, you know, it seems like with with your career, other than uh, I, ironically the Houston Dynamo, yeah. everywhere everywhere you've been, you're you're at least getting minutes. You're at least getting some some burn, some game. Um, you know, you get loaned out there. I think you were uh, one team. Uh, I'm not even going to predict. Try to Fredericia. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, look at that. And then the other one was uh, that was in Denmark as well. Yeah. Another Danish side, and then. Uh, you go to Reykjavik, which is in Iceland, um, and I think that was from, and I'm yeah. maybe, I might be saying that one wrong, but um, what what was that doing for you? You know, I, I have to imagine it's, one, it's pretty hard being away from home, you know, away from where you're you're comfortable, and then now you're kind of getting moved around. You're, you're going to a different country, and, and you're playing there, but also it's kind of a unique experience. You know, how did you look at um, – at those opportunities yeah no i definitely looked at at them more on the side of the unique opportunities i looked at it as it's part of you know the career i chose i was at corson's and a new coach came in and literally said oh you, i don't think like you fit and i was like okay well i'm need to go find minutes elsewhere so it, w it was never a thing where i was like oh i hate that i'm doing this i just understood it as the career i chose and what i wanted to do and this is kind of just something that comes with it and then in addition to that, it's just being able to travel like that too was kind of cool. I had never been to Iceland before. I had never been to Reykjavik. So then I go there and I, I'm there for eight months or almost a year. And it, I had a great experience there with the team, with just the culture, with everything. And I don't think that would have been something I would have ever done. And so on both sides of that, I looked at all of it as really cool opportunity to take. Yeah, that's like a bucket list trip for me. And yeah. Know. You were just like, oh, I'm getting loaned out. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think that's awesome. Um, well, how'd you end up, you know, let's talk about how you end up deciding to come back. Um, you know, I know, I think uh, Matt Jordan was the GM for the Dynamo. How how did you end up getting uh, pulled back into MLS? Uh, so, yeah, after playing at Prom, 
I came back obviously with no club and we were kind of talking to certain clubs and I think, um, who was the coach at, but yeah, but Red Bull, I don't know how somehow Red Bull came into the conversation and so like, Hey, I think I was in New York at the time, just kind of hanging out and like, Hey, come to training. You're right here already. We'll have you for a couple of weeks and then we'll kind of just go from there. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went and trained and I'm not really sure what happened, but I guess Matt or Houston, I guess, got heard that I was training with another MLS team and they obviously still had my rights, I believe. So I guess they just kind of called over. I'm like, Hey, if you want him, you have to pay this. And I think Red Bull were like, Mm, I don't know. And then next, you know, I'm back in Houston a couple of weeks later. And then Matt is like, Hey, come train. It's the end of the season. Come train. We're training for a couple more weeks. Come train. And I was like, okay, cool. Didn't really think much about it. Went in, trained. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to offer you a homegrown contract. And yeah. And I was like, oh, well, this is awesome. I'm back in my hometown playing for the team I grew up playing with. Like, so for me, it was, I was really happy about it. And, and then, you know, kind of, I didn't play, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I feel like it's like the, uh, like the jealous girlfriend type thing where, you know, you're, you're, you're in New York and they're like, we, oh, that's our, that's our guy, you know? And then yeah. they bring you in. Um, and you've been vocal in some of the things I've seen over the years, um, where you, you, you talk about, um, you know, you're kind of now in that, that leader role, um, and that you've got you know, uh, 10 years or more under your belt where guys that are younger, you know, you're, you're ancient to them. Um, yeah. <laughs> to me, to me, I, you know, you're, you're not, you're not an old guy. You got a lot of years left and in, in a lot of opportunity, but you've been pretty vocal about, um, you think having a chip on your shoulder is a healthy thing. Um, I can't help, but think that, you know, I, I say guys have chips on their shoulders for things. Sometimes they have to create, you know, you made a, you, you manufacture motivation, but in your case, um, the Dynamo kind of helped you create a pretty, pretty good chip in that they don't give you an opportunity to play. And, you know, you were loaned out in, in the Danish league and then you come back to Houston and your, your hometown in terms of your family and friends, people, you, you know, and, and you don't really get any opportunity to play and, and they loan you out to RGV, which is Rio Grande Valley. And then eventually to, uh, Rayo OKC and Oklahoma, um, in the NASL. Was that really where you, you kind of got a lot of, uh, I would imagine that was some pretty good motivation that, that to, Hey, you know what, now I'm going to go be really successful and show these guys that they made a mistake. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that's a lot of what has fueled my career and still does is still trying to prove that I belong in this league and that I'm, you know, I'm better than whatever people think. I don't really care what people think, but I just know that I always want to be better and I always want to progress my own game. And yeah. And I think, yeah, that Houston stint I had and then going on those several loans and then playing in San Antonio, all of that is kind of the culmination of where I got like that chip on my shoulder for sure. Yeah. And San Antonio was, um, you know, I, I, I've been very vocal in terms of, I think guys should go where they're going to play. Um, you know, and I, I, I would argue, I played with guys a lot that they would, they were 19 on the roster, right? They're not even dressing, but they're, they're, they're not getting to go away because they might have to be on the roster and, and, and they don't, you know, they're not in shape and they're, you know, now they're doing better at running guys and keeping it yeah. fit and stuff. But I always said, you know, if, if you have a chance to go play actual minutes and, and be involved, that's going to do so much for you. Um, where maybe you're going to get an opportunity and people will see what you can do. And I, I can't think of a better example than what you did in San Antonio, where you absolutely lighted up. You were like a best 11 in the uh, the year you played. You get defender of the year. Um, you're part of a record-breaking defense that, you know, goals against. I think y'all had like some crazy seven, eight games. You know, you didn't give up a goal. And yeah. I feel like you really put yourself on the map um, and, and, you know, a lot of guys looked at it as, as like, oh, I don't want to go down to USL because I, I, I think that's a, a step back. I'm an MLS guy. But in your case, it was actually that move that made everyone realize, like, this guy's he's lighting it up. He needs to have another chance. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. That, and I love San Antonio FC. I think it was, it was a great year. 
was one of the better teams I've played on too. And I know I've played on a couple of MLS teams and stuff. Just the way it was run with my teammates, with the coaches, it was all great. And we had a really, really good team and we were just confident in how we played. And our coach, Darren, who's actually now at Inter Miami, just kind of let us, you know, be ourselves and kind of run the team the way we wanted to. And that's kind of where I became very comfortable in the system. And again, still learned a lot of stuff about my play and how I want to play and knowing what I need around me to play well. And yeah, and we ended up, like you just said, lighting it up defensively and playing and having a really, really good season. So what what happens next there? I mean, how do you how do you end up uh, from going from there to uh, the NYCFC? Uh, somehow we we were affiliated with NYCFC. I don't really know exactly how. And so yeah, after that year, obviously it hits off season, and then the next season, I'm still. I don't think I had signed with San Antonio yet, but New York is like, hey, you can come in the preseason and kind of just see how things go. So I was like, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not going to turn that down. Um, so I went there. Went, I think we went to Florida, trained there for a month or so. And then, yeah, I did pretty well. Did pretty well in the games. And, yeah, Patrick and I think it was Claudio at the time was the GM. They're like, yeah, I mean, we want to get you on here. We don't see you as number two, more like a number three and four. But, you know, obviously there's always – the idea that if you work and you do well enough, you'll be in an 11 or you'd be, and you know how it is. And so it was just kind of one of those. And I was like, all right, cool. And I just kind of went to New York and still with the same ship and just worked, 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 worked. And yeah, got, like you just said, got some minutes and then got some stints where I started a couple games and stuff like that. Yeah. And just kind of grinded away. Yeah. And NYCFC was, you know, I, I still say that I think they're one of the, you know, uh, cream of the crop in terms of the, one of the MLS teams, especially in the East, where they they have an identity and they have an idea, they spend some money. Uh, I would have to imagine that you went from played with good players in certain places, but you now go to a place where there's world class players, players, um, you know, not just the guys that people know, but yeah. I mean, you had some international guys, uh, you know, that maybe they're not household names, but they're playing for their national team in big tournaments in Europe and South America. Um, those are the guys you're competing against now, and obviously we know where you're at now. It, it, it you lifted your game and 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 you you showed up, but that had to be pretty cool too. Saying you know now I'm I'm in the show, but not only am I in the show, like I'm I'm in the show with with some really good players, and I'm holding my own. Yeah, no, it was yeah. I mean, you come in and David Villa is one of your teammates, and you're like, wow, I literally was watching you in the World Cup. Patrick Vieira is your head coach, and it was like. You were like one of the guys I watched growing up again playing. And so it was crazy just to be in that environment and again, see how different it, it, it was run. It's always crazy to me to go to different teams and see how it's run because we all do the same thing. But just the daily operations are just little things are just so different. And so, yeah, it was kind of just a cool experience to definitely be in there. And again, being one of the, like you said, like one of the teams that know their identity and don't really care about anyone else. They just care about how they play and this is how we do our thing. It, it, it was definitely engaging and definitely, and I, and I loved it. Yeah. Well, I know you played 60 games or 60 plus games there, um, which is awesome. And uh, the year that you, on one hand, it's bittersweet because you, you help this team become who they are and, and they're, you know, a force to be reckoned with and you end up uh, LAFC trades for you. And um, I know a lot of people are familiar with, you know, you get traded and then they go and, and they win MLS cup. I, I'm just curious. It's just for my own personal knowledge. I know that sometimes guys, they don't get to necessarily get a ring, but if you participate in enough things, you might get uh, some kind of bonus money. Did, did you at least get any, anything? I, I got a ring. Oh, you got a ring. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I know that if you, if you participate enough, you get something. And I was hoping that, you know, I, I think I saw a thing with you and Max Bratos and he made it, it was like so depressing because he was kind of like trying to be, you know, funny. And then it was just like, yeah, you no, know, he still was part of that team. It was, just, it was just, he just didn't, you know, and I was like, there are guys that they don't play a single game the whole year. And, and yeah. then I'm thinking like he played and he got them to where they were. And yeah. uh, so you got a ring. So yeah, that's, congrats there. Thank you. Yeah, it was cool. It was, I was also like very like cool and surreal to watch them playing in that final. I was losing my mind just watching them play. So it was a lot of fun. 
And I was like texting them as they were playing, like telling them about like it was it was so much fun to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's big of you. Um, oh. I'm not sure I I would have been rooting for him, but um, <laughs> that's, that's the pettiness in me. Um, mutual separation. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, well, so you have to be happy though, because you you're now at. I always say you go from the cream of the crop on the east uh, to the new boys in town and the cream of the crop in the west. Um, you know and you know, tell I, I do like the John Thorington story and that um, you know, when when they ended up winning, uh, can you tell the the listeners what what he told you and and kind of foreshadow? Yeah, so obviously we're in off season because we didn't make the playoffs, so we're all watching playoffs and MLS Cup, and then we come in next year, or I guess this was 2022 last year in preseason. It was I'm just like rolling out in the gym or something, and John like walks up and he's just like, I'm sorry, and I was like, for what? And he's like. New York won, we took you away, but like, I, I promise we're going to get a ring this year. And I was just kind of like, okay, cool. Like, I appreciate that. We'll see what happens. Kind of like, obviously you have no idea. It's January. Like, and yeah. And then literally at the end of the year, I look at him and I was like, that's actually wild that we went and got this ring. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's awesome. I think that's a great story. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a vibe, right. And, and sure. speaking of that, you know, you, you'd hinted at earlier, you said, you were just, uh, when you were in the off season from coming back from Iceland, you were in New York, um, you know, for, uh, for those that know you, um, you know, you, you have a really, you know, big personality and, and I would say like a bit, I call it a big city vibe, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you go to New York and then you go to LA. Um, I'd have to imagine from a lifestyle, uh, standpoint that you're, you're pretty much feeling pretty good about, um, you know, where you're at, you know, there are, there are worse places to be than yeah. uh, than those two cities in MLS. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was me when I signed with New York it was my first time really living in. I lived in New Jersey, but living in that area, and so I loved it. It was definitely a change of pace, and yeah, I, I think I fit in pretty well there. And then again, going to LA, it's a little bit calmer than New York, but yeah, still that like you just said, big city type feel. I lived a little bit south in the South Bay or Mosa Beach, so it's kind of secluded away from a lot of stuff but no I, I loved it it was definitely more my vibe and yeah i vibe with both cities for sure all right well then you know you come into an lafc team that um they had some some real studs as well all over the field especially in the in the defensive areas um you play for a coach that is i'm not a big fan of rotations um yeah. of, of of you know i'm 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 a continuity person but i think that this this is more of a newer thing where um, you're you give guys rest and you and you you want to see what other guys can do. Different pairings make sense, um, and I think it really served the team really well because not only did y'all win the supporter shield, but come MLS Cup playoffs, uh, your name gets called and and you essentially are the guy in in the final. Um, and, you know, and you you play and win the greatest MLS game ever played. Um, you know, talk to me just a little bit about that, that mentality of, you know, you have confidence in yourself. You've got a coach that has confidence in you and that he knows, Hey, if, if this guy's, you know, if this guy goes down, uh, you're up, you know, if you go down, the next guy up is ready to go. Um, that had to be pretty, pretty cool for you. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It was, and it was kind of one of the first teams where I had that feeling where it was like, literally anyone who wasn't playing could easily start. And it wasn't just, oh, yeah, like you're just saying it, but no, like wrote down the guys on paper and you're like, yeah, someone's hurt. It's like, oh, yeah, just plug and play. Put this guy in, we'll be fine. Like nothing changes. We're playing the exact same way. So it was great. I mean, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, I think it was Western Conference final. Giorgio comes up with a little calf injury. So I'm just, so they look at me like, hey, you might have to go into halftime. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I, yeah, we'll see what happens. And then, yeah, so I'm literally just sitting in the locker room at halftime, and they're like, yeah, you're going in. And that's like literally it. There's no like, oh, pep. It's like, yeah, you're, you'll be good. Just go in. Cool. Warm up. And then same with the final. They wanted to see if Georgia was okay. I actually didn't know I was starting that final until I got into the locker room, and they checked Georgia. I'm like, yeah, I said you're starting. And I was like, okay, like, let's get it. Like, it's cool. And so, yeah, it was just a insane amount of confidence that that was in that locker room at all times just because of how you know steve spoke to us and how trainings were and now kind of everyone is kind of just in the same playing field 
and how we all thought in the same matter and ways. Yeah. You think if you had known you were starting, it would have made the, you a little more nervous before then, or or was it? I mean, you kind of have to prepare. Yeah. Like, like you're gonna play, but there's a difference between like like when yeah. you go and you see your name on the board and you're like, all right, I'm starting. Like, yeah, that's that's when it's real, right? I mean, yeah. But even the way Steve did it was so nonchalant that I was like, oh, okay. Like I literally walked in, and I guess he was just leaving like the training room, and he just sees me and he just points at me. But he like he was talking to someone else and he just kept keeps walking. And I think he was talking to assistant one of the assistant coaches and they go, oh yeah, you're starting. And I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. Like I like I couldn't even be like like there was no real time to like think about it. It was like, oh, okay, he did that very nonchalantly, so he's fine with it, so I'm fine with it. Like yeah, so it was very interesting locker room and that's kind of why I actually respect Steve a lot as a coach is that he's able to manage his players in a way that they understand that they're still great players and it's just about finding your role and excelling in that role. Yeah. Well, um, that you know, you excelled, you excelled and, uh, and congrats, you know, there aren't a lot of people that can, uh, you know, can say they've won both of those and there sure as heck aren't a lot that can say they did it in the same year. So, um, talk to me a little bit about, uh, the, the off season, cause you're a free agent at that point. Um, where's your head at? What are you, what are you hearing? What are you thinking? You know, and then, and obviously we know you, you end up in Dallas, but you know, what was your mindset going into that off season? You have to be on a high and knowing I just, I just balled out and everyone, yeah. everyone saw it. So it's like, yeah. you know, obviously I'm going to, I'm going to have something come on my plate here. Yeah, no, exa- and exactly. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That was kind of my thing was I thought last season was one of my better seasons for sure. I think in midsummer I played seven, eight games in a row and I had some con- continuity in that sense. And so it was like, oh, you can actually play and put together performances, you know, instead of like the one, two games and then not playing for three, four, and then again. And then, yeah, obviously with the playoffs and then how MLS Cup went, it was crazy. And I thought I played really well. So I was like, I, I know a team will come call it. I just don't know which team. And hopefully multiple teams come and I get to pick. And then that kind of is where I go from there. But out the gate, when free agency opened, Dallas was like on it. And they're like, hey, we want you here. And I was like, okay, like I want to give LA a chance, obviously. I'm a bridge. I've just played there and out of respect, I want them to kind of, you know, hear their offer out too at the same time. And then I think a couple other teams came in, but my agent was like, eh, I, we, I really think these are the two teams that we should look at. And yeah, and Dallas would just kept kind of putting the pressure on, like, no, really, once you hear like this, 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 this. And then at the end of the day, I actually came down to my family. My parents are still in Houston. And then my brother and his family are in Oklahoma City. And being in Dallas really puts me right in between them. So it was one of those where kind of all the off field stuff kind of played the biggest role in it. And I was like, my parents always want to come to games. They haven't been to game in like four or five years because I've been really in New York and then LA. Dallas puts me right here. And then my brother, who I don't see as much too, because I've been coast to coast, he's also right there. So that's kind of how Dallas ended up happening. And yeah, and then literally we were in the fifth game. I think my parents have been to four games already. And so, yeah, it was just kind of, it all worked out in the craziest way, yeah. I was going to say, they have no excuses now. Yeah. If they don't show up. Yeah, uh, yeah and you, you started off well. And um, and I, I, I thought I had this wrong, so I'm going to ask just... Did you, was it your first goal? It was my first MLS goal, yeah. That was your first MLS goal. Yeah. I done scored a ton in college, but yeah. I, I was like, there's no way that's true. Yeah. Uh, but, but I guess it, for the league play, that's the, yeah. that, that's your first goal. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, you acted like you scored a, a hundred. You know, <laughs> you just, you just, oh, yeah, pointing like, yeah, I've done this a million times. <laughs> like, like I play forward too, you know, but um, that's awesome. Well, well, talk to me. What's what's uh, you know? I talked about you got a long runway ahead of you. Um, you know, you you've won, you've arguably won the hardware that everyone chases. So, um, what what's next in your journey? Like, where do you where do you want to see your your career go from here? Uh, I think from a like a career standpoint, I just don't think I've reached my ceiling as a player. I think I can still develop. I think there's still things in my game that can get better. And so for me, in that sense, that's kind of the biggest thing. But at the same time, and that's kind of another reason why I chose Dallas is that it's such a young team. And 
I feel like I told like I've told you I'm a big speaker on you know making good environments for players, and I think for me it's being someone in a locker room that can help players now that I am older, and so that's what it is is looking at certain situations guys and being like hey think about the game like this or on the field or even off the field stuff, and so that's kind of what I've been trying to train myself is to be to get to get into a role of a mentor as well as just a player because I think growing up being in the academy and being around like you guys kind of not that you guys actively did anything but it's just kind of seeing how you guys acted and how you guys conducted yourself like that helped me a lot and so I think every locker room needs people like that you know whether they're they speak out about it a lot or they just show it whichever way they choose to, I think it's huge. And that's kind of what I kind of loved about coming to Dallas and it was such a young team, right? And and being an older guy, I think I'm second oldest on this team, regardless of, you know, if I play or I don't play, it's how do I conduct myself every training session so they see that, okay, even if I'm not playing, I'm not just completely disengaged and don't care just like in and out of locker room. Like I still take the time to take care of my body and do this or that, no matter what's happening or whatever it is. I just think there are certain nuances to being a professional and being in a locker room that can be overlooked if you don't have a player who has put in that time and, and understands those things. Yeah, that's a good mentality. It's crazy to think your team is that young. Um, yeah. But that that's, uh, that's really cool. You've, you know, we'll wrap it up here. Um, we got a couple more things for you. You, you played in the New York Derby. Yeah. Played in the, you've been a part of the LA Derby. So uh, now I would have to imagine, um, considering we talked about chip on your shoulder, there's a little bit of dynamo animosity. You're yeah. going to be, you know, D- Dallas has got really, you've got three. Um, yeah. Houston's a big one. I would say, yes, uh, sporting could be a pretty big one. And now you've got this new Austin one. Yeah. Uh, you know, which, which game, which game is circled on your calendar? Is it, is it a former team? Like, is it a LAFC? Is it a NYCFC? Is it a Dynamo? Like what, when you when you saw the schedule, who are you circling saying, I want to be, I want to be on the field and smash this team. LAFC, not, I wouldn't say to like smash them per se. Like I just wanted to be, cause I hadn't played an away game in, I guess now it's BMO stadium. And just kind of going back there, I hadn't been back there obviously since we won. So just coming back there was like, that was circled for that reason, being back in that environment, seeing all those guys again, playing against them, which is always, I, I always have a lot of fun playing against those guys. Um, definitely Austin, because one of my good friends plays at Austin and they smacked us last year away, even though I was on LA, not Dallas, but still. Yeah, yeah, it stinks. Yeah, I always want to smack Austin. And then... Well, you got your retribution in the one that mattered. We did. We did. But I only played half. I want to play like a full game. And just have like- okay. <laughs> hey, how great, how politically correct are you that you, I said smash them and you were like, no, hold on. That's like, you're so, you're so veteran that you like, you're like, I can't have this, the word smash be involved with this. You're like, I just want to play them and win. And I sent you up there and I apologize. That was not my goal. I've regretted it. When I, I just saw any like, words to be taken and then, but but yeah, but you, you, your, your experience, I forget you've been doing this, you know what to do. So last one I got for you. So let's talk about off the field. Yeah. A yeah. friend of mine is Alexis Guerrero's from the Cooligans. Uh, he said about you, you know, I, 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 I think I've taught you about you and then I've, we actually were, I think at an all-star game or I saw you and he, yeah. he looked at you and he said, he said, this guy is just a whole vibe. Right. And I was like, you know what? That's like a really cool way. Uh, I'm not even sure, like, I understand what that actually means, right? But I was like, I guarantee you no one's ever called me, like, uh, a whole vibe, right? Um, and I know you're very active in the fashion world. You know, you're you're on Instagram and uh, you're on these, uh, you have some media stuff that people make videos and you're very uh, open about, you know, your fashion. And it's really cool. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you created that identity for yourself and um, you know, it, it seems like teams are really focusing not just in MLS, but in sports on, you know, pregame outfits and and the fashion and the culture side of it. And 
I feel like uh, there's a couple guys in MLS that are really pushing that movement, and you're you're one of those guys. And like, you know, what does that mean to you? Oh, I mean, fashion and just all that, like you just kind of said it, it to me, is like a, an extension of culture and just kind of an extension of who I am. It's just a way to express myself. And for me, I'm really happy to see like the league kind of putting more respect on that aspect too. Like, yes, we are players and that's kind of our main role, but we are, some of us are also artists and also fashion guys, musicians. Like, I think like just players in general are so diverse in the things they like and the things they do off the field that I think you can create millions of stories just based on those things. And it's like, and they also can play. And so that was kind of what my thing is, is just expressing myself and hoping that other people pick up as Alexis does on the vibe and like, oh yeah, I'll roll with it. Like, I like this. And that's kind of all it is. And I I just like that more players are are expressing themselves and are open to expressing themselves and not being so closed. And that's kind of what my thing is, is that it gives you a little glimpse into who I am and what I like and how, and the things I look, look to do maybe when I'm not playing or what, just in my off time and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's great. I think it shows, you know, we, we, that's one of the goals of, uh, of this podcast is to show that there's a human element to these guys and, uh, you know, that they're, they're human as well. They, they want to, uh, you know, they have families and they have lives and, and, and passions uh, outside of the game. So, um, you know, I want to thank you again for your time. You're as cool as they come. Uh, it was great for, for us to catch up on here and, um, you know, good luck to you the rest of this year and, and the years beyond. Um, we'll be following it. And I know our listeners are, are really going to enjoy um, hearing your journey. So, Sebastian Ibiaga, everybody. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at mlsplayers.org.